0: Over the past several weeks, there have been a flurry of sexual assault lawsuits filed against big-name celebrities.
1: Music mogul Sean Diddy Combs accused of sex trafficking and sexual assault in a lawsuit filed in federal court here in New York. Oscar winning actor Jamie Foxx is being sued for allegedly groping a woman at a Manhattan rooftop bar in 2015. A penthouse model is now suing Guns N' Roses frontman Axel Rose, accusing him of sexually assaulting her in a New York City hotel room in 1989.
0: And the flood of complaints wasn't a coincidence. These lawsuits have all been filed under a New York law called the Adult Survivors Act. This law, which went into effect in 2022, gave sexual assault survivors one year to file a civil lawsuit, no matter when the alleged assault happened. Anne Brannigan has been reporting on this for The Post.
1: This is all part of the larger correction that we've seen in the legal system to try to represent sort of the needs of survivors a bit more. What we see with survivors quite often is that it can take a long time to bring a case forward, and that's for a lot of reasons. And so this was, you know, a piece of legislation that allowed folks who maybe, you know, didn't have the vocabulary for what they're experiencing or who just took, Years to reckon with what happened, it gave them a legal remedy that they didn't have before.
0: The Adult Survivors Act has been a big deal. Thousands of people have used it to sue their alleged abusers. But the reason we saw so many of these cases being filed recently is because the Adult Survivors Act expired last week. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Allison Michaels. It's Friday, December 1st. Today, how a New York law briefly changed how survivors of sexual assault found justice and the impact it's had on the legal system.
1: So tell me more about that. What is the Adult Survivors Act? So first, we have to talk about what the statute of limitations is. It's basically a limit on when you can bring forward a case. And before 2019, um, the statute of limitations for bringing a sexual assault case was only three years. Now, in 2019, after we saw you know these really big, high-profile Me Too cases, they enacted a law that would give folks a 20-year window to file a sexual assault complaint. Now, that 20 years is not retroactive, which means that it would only apply from anything that happened in 2019 onward. And so what the Adult Survivors Act is it gives this lifetime look-back window where no matter what year it happened, you know, 1989, 2016, you can bring forward a complaint within this one-year window and address, you know, sexual assaults that happened, you know, when the victim was an adult. It's important to note that the Adult Survivors Act allows for civil complaints and not criminal ones. And so when we say civil complaint, what we mean in sort of layman's terms is lawsuits. So this is where you're seeking damages against another party who is you know could be found or not found to be liable for harm done to you. And most often with lawsuits we see damages you know basically amounting to X amount of money, but that's not always the case. Sometimes there could be a formal apology involved or a change to the way things are done, especially if you're talking about an institution um, with a criminal complaint that, involves the system that we're all a bit more familiar with, which is you can be subject to fines, but also prison time. Can you share a little bit more about why the law changed
0: at that particular moment and what it was trying to accomplish?
1: Sure. So it's actually modeled off a 2019 law for child survivors. Um, And the Adult Survivors Act is structured very similarly. So in that case, nearly 11,000 lawsuits were filed in New York State, not just against individuals, but also institutions. So, you know, the Catholic Church, the Boy Scouts, and it really provoked a reckoning for those organizations. <laughs> New York Governor Kathy Hochul and former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo both credited the Me Too and Time's Up movements for inspiring the state legislation regarding sexual offenses. Um, And while signing the Adult Survivors Act, Governor Hochul actually praised the seismic shift of the Me Too movement.
0: People started finally talking about their experiences and holding people in power accountable. And I thank them because those issues need to be raised up,
1: they need to be addressed, and society needs to acknowledge what had happened to far too many people. And by the way, former Governor Cuomo was also hit with one of these lawsuits. So obviously, you know, a moment
0: where this sexual assault survivors are able to come forward in this way, has there been any pushback or criticism for this law um, and its origin?
1: There hasn't been a ton of pushback. I think what you do hear from some, you know, survivor advocates is that actually, you know, this one-year window is not long enough because it takes a lot of resources and a lot of time and energy to file a complaint. So that's one of the criticisms from sort of the advocate side. And in terms of criticisms to the law itself, what we really see more of is criticisms of specific complaints. So for example, last week, a representative for Sean Diddy Combs, who was hit with a few of these lawsuits, said in a statement that it was a well-intentioned law turned on its head and called, you know, one of the specific lawsuits purely a money grab.
0: Yeah, let's talk more about that claim against Diddy, who when I grew up was called Puff Daddy. (laughs) Who brought these claims against him and how have they panned out?
1: So there were three separate claims, and the first one was really kind of a blockbuster moment. Earlier this month, the R&B singer Cassie, who was in a relationship with Diddy, she brought forward a 35-page complaint that actually came with a trigger warning because the details in the suit were so graphic.
0: The lawsuit filed by Cassandra Ventura, known by her stage name Cassie, met Combs when she was 19 years old. She was later signed to Combs' record label, and the pair had been romantically involved. Ventura alleges that Combs not only raped her,
1: but over the course of a decade, physically abused her, as well as, quote, lured her into a drug-fueled lifestyle. Among the allegations was that she would be forced to have sex with male prostitutes and It stood out for a couple of reasons. One, it's not often when you have a high profile person that the person filing the suit against them is also high profile, right? And so we had seen Cassie and Diddy sort of in the public eye. They had been in a relationship for over 10 years. So this was a relationship we were familiar with, right? But she also did something very specific, which is when the lawsuit was filed. She actually cited the Adult Survivors Act and the fact that it was expiring as her reason for filing it at the time that she did.
0: Yeah, that's a question that I've had in this, you know, about as we come up against this deadline, how we've seen a flurry of of new cases filed, you know, sort of late in the game here. What's the, the reason for that? Is it really just the time that it takes to, to get these things processed or, or is the deadline sort of driving people to action? What's our understanding of that?
1: It could be both. You know, it takes a lot of time and resources to file a lawsuit. You need money. You need representation, you know, if you want to give yourself kind of the best chance. I think there's also very much this element of you have this one-year opportunity and after that the door closes to you, you know, possibly forever. And so there is an element here of losing an opportunity that you might not get again
0: hmm Now, Diddy, of course, isn't the only high-profile person that has been involved in one of these lawsuits. We saw earlier in the year, um, President Trump, former President Trump, was accused of um, sexual assault. What happened in the details of that case?
1: Right. So this was um, an allegation that if you paid attention to the news, you might have already been familiar with. This is the writer E. Jean Carroll, who filed a sexual assault uh, claim against Trump and she actually wrote about it in her memoir and her case is really significant because it was one of the first um, cases brought forward under this tort and on top of that she won
0: In a civil lawsuit against former President Donald Trump a federal jury in New York decided that Trump is liable for sexually abusing and defaming writer Eugene Carroll about 30 years ago Now, she had accused him of raping her and said that he defamed her when he called her account a hoax. The jury did not find Trump liable for rape, but ordered him to pay Carol $5 million in damages.
1: And this is the first time that anyone has, you know, come forward with such a complaint against Trump, who, you know, has had a lot of allegations over the years, but this is the first time that somebody has successfully... Um, found the former president liable for abuse. After the break, we'll talk about some of the
0: lawsuits that don't involve celebrities and the legacy of the Adult Survivors Act. We'll be right back. So, Anne, before the break, you were talking about the suit against the president and other high-profile people, but what about regular people? Is there data about what other kinds of claims have been filed and where these suits might have a meaningful impact outside of the world of celebrities and entertainment?
1: So, thousands of these claims have been filed in New York over the past year. As of November 23rd, which was, you know, the expiration date, Around three thousand seven hundred complaints had been filed, and a lot of them were against individuals. But I think it's really noteworthy that a lot were also against state, local, and city institutions. And you know, one area of interest is the number of complaints that came from women who say they were abused in New York City jails and prisons, um, really all over the state, and that's really significant because here we're talking about, you know, institutions that really have a lot more accountability here or where you can really see action that has a lot of impact in the long run.
0: Yeah. Are we seeing any uh, acknowledgement of those
1: numbers of case filings and any accountability from that? So there have been a few reports on them, but it's probably still a little bit early in the game to get like a full picture Of what's happening there. So this is going to be the case with um, all of these complaints is that it's going to take a while for them to play out, right? It's going to be at least six months before any go to trial if they go to trial. There's also, you know, some of them may be settled. So it will take, I think, a bit of time to really sort of understand what happened and what the potential impact of that could be. Speaking of impact, are there other states
0: that have an Adult Survivors Act or something similar?
1: Yes, there are. So Me Too really kicked off this push to address the needs of survivors in this very specific way, which is acknowledging that it could take years before survivors of sexual abuse are able to name their abusers publicly. So New Jersey had a similar law where they had a two-year window for both child and adult survivors. And then you have some places like Maine that have removed the statute of limitations altogether. So no matter when the alleged abuse happened, you can bring forward a complaint.
0: And are we seeing any possibility that... In New York, that these laws could be put into place for good, not just this one year period, but in fact removing the statute of limitations on sexual assault for for the long haul?
1: For now, there isn't, but there is momentum behind extending it, but, you know, not so much around making it permanent. What we did see is the New York City Council approved a separate measure um, a couple years ago in 2021 that does something similar it created a two-year window for alleged victims of gender-based violence to sue, even if the filing deadline or the statute of limitations had passed. And so that deadline isn't until March 2025.
0: What's the legacy of this law? How do you think it might change the justice system moving forward or change how people think about a decision to file a sexual assault claim?
1: In some ways, it might be a bit early to tell, right? Because we have thousands of these complaints filed, but for many of them, we don't know the outcome yet. We don't know whether they will be settled. We don't know whether they'll go to trial. You know, in some cases, the process drags on so long that people just sort of like lose the money or the energy to to fight these battles. So in some ways... There's still a lot more we need to see in order to, in order to really answer that with some certainty. But I do think this is a really significant chapter in sort of our society's reckoning with the needs of sexual assault survivors and how our institutions, how our systems help or harm them. Any act of violence is shocking, but sexual violence doesn't only shock the victim. There's a lot of shame attached. It's a deep violation, especially if it happens with someone you trust or rely on or work with. And so often a victim has to reckon with who they will go to, who they trust, who will believe them. And it can take years for the survivor to really understand what happened to them. And this is a big problem for prosecuting a criminal case, right? Because the bedrock of our criminal justice system is that a defendant is innocent until proven guilty. Which means the burden of proof is on the prosecution to provide evidence that someone committed a crime beyond a reasonable doubt. So, not likely, not probably, but beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's a very high standard. And the nature of sexual violence is such that it's hard to meet that standard. You often don't have witnesses. It often becomes a situation where it's a victim's word against an assailant's. DNA evidence may be limited, but even if it's there, you have the question of consent. So, it's a very painful and difficult process for sexual assault survivors to go through the criminal legal system. But they still need legal remedy. And... What the Adult Survivors Act, I think, shows us is that our legal system is still trying to figure out what a fair system for survivors could and should look like.
0: Anne Brannigan is a style reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks so much for listening. Today's show was produced by Sabi Robinson. It was edited by Maggie Penman and mixed by Sean Carter. If you aren't already a Post subscriber, now is the time to start. In addition to all of the incredible, robust reporting from our colleagues around this newsroom and around the world, you also now get access to ad-free audio through Apple Podcasts. Look for the link in our show notes to subscribe. Our team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Alaha Izadi, Monica Campbell, Robin Amor, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnick, Bishop Sand, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Rennie Svirnovsky, Sabi Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. I'm Allison Michaels. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from the Washington Post.